Welcome to Sunday morning at First Presbyterian Church. I'm Pastor Danny Deeth, and this is Epiphany Sunday. This is the day that we celebrate, according to Matthew's gospel, the star that God gave to show the way to the three wise men or the magi who finally found their way into the presence of Christ. So that is our task today, to come and be in the presence of Christ, our newborn King. We are so glad you're with us. Come on in. first lesson today comes from Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 6. Listen now to the word of the Lord. Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will appear over you. Nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look around. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from far away, and your daughters shall be carried in the arms of their nurses. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and rejoice. Because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you, and the wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephraim. All those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and proclaim the praise of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading on this Epiphany Sunday. It's taken from Matthew's gospel, the only one who gives the account of the magi, the three kings, the wise ones, who come to the baby Jesus. It is familiar words. We are reading chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, familiar words. I invite you to see it in your mind. I invite you to hear with fresh ears. If you want to close your eyes and see it, do so. Matthew 2, 1 through 12. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it had been written by the prophet, and you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. 
Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In 1953, American astronaut Jim Lovell was a pilot with the U.S. Air Force flying from a carrier off the coast of Japan. And if you've seen the movie Apollo 13 with Tom Hanks, there's a clip during the movie where he tells this story, the true story, from Jim Lovell before he became an astronaut about this night. He was on his first night mission off of this carrier. He was on his way back when his panel board short-circuited out. To make matters worse, he also lost radio communication with the carrier. Without lights or instrument to help him, he had to pull off an already extremely difficult landing completely on his own. The carrier, too, had gone dark as a part of their protocol in those maneuvers. If he landed too soon, he would crash into the carrier. If he overshot it, he would land in the ocean. It was pitch black around him, nothing to help him make his first landing. Then, Jim saw a faint glow in the ocean below him, a soft green light that stretched in a line before him. It led right to the carrier. Now with some visibility from the mysterious glow, Jim was able to make a safe landing on the carrier. And as you know, it turned out the glow was bioluminescent algae. It was churned up by the carrier and in its wake lit up green. He wouldn't have been able to see that with some of his lights on. He wouldn't have been able to see that unless it was all pitch black around him. But for Lovell, it was a perfectly timed miracle, a path of light that saved his life. So today, we are focusing on that idea of light, this path of light that saves our lives, and therefore the world's. As we look in our familiar passage for today, we realize that we are still in the Christmas season. That's why we still have decorations up. What started in Advent ends today in our season and calendar, but we are still in the cycle of Christ being born and all of the events that surrounded that. We had the four weeks where we continued to light more light 
as we were preparing for Christ to come into a dark world, we lit the Christ candle on Christmas Eve, and now, wouldn't you know it, the men finally got there. They were a little bit late. We mark these days by calling it the 12 days of Christmas. Yes, the song. But we give this time allocation from Christmas to Epiphany as the time it took the wise men to get there. We assume it was, it's a metaphorical amount of time as Matthew talks about uh, going to a house, not the manger scene. It's very probable Jesus was a little bit older. He could have even been a toddler at this point when the wise men get there. So our chief foe in our story is who? Herod, right, King Herod. Don't forget, he wasn't Roman. This isn't Caesar Augustus. This is King Herod, the Jewish king. Hmm. The king of the Jews was just born today. Herod says, I'm the Jewish king. There's no other Jewish king. Who says that there's another Jewish king? Where do I need to find this new Jewish king? From the day that Christ is born, he begins to threaten the existing power structure. And those in power fear him from day one. And Herod was a puppet of Rome. We know this, but still in charge and still the Jewish king. These men, these magi, were not of the house of Israel, not from that region, from the east, very likely, uh, uh, Persian, Iraq, Iran, in current map terms. We're not sure. We don't know what faith or religion they were, but we knew they weren't of the house of Israel, not Jewish. And we also assume and think hypothesize that they were scholars, possibly astrologers and or astronomers, watching the sky for its significance to look for possible connections between the written word and what's going on in the world. Hmm, interesting. So they would not have known that something is going on without knowing Jewish scripture and prophecies that foretold that a Messiah would come under certain circumstances. So in this sermon, I always remind us to use these magi as an example. We too, in order to see God working in the world, need to be studying scripture. It helps us to see to train our minds, our hearts, our souls, that when we go from here, we don't leave our Christianity here, we are expecting to see God show up and Christ show up and the Spirit lead us in the world. The wise men did. They knew enough to know from the written word that something was happening and confirmed by what? Their experience, by their observance in the world that something was happening that corroborated what they had been reading. They put those things together, and so far they're good Presbyterians. They're thinking, they're studying. They got it in their mind, they got it in their head. They're thinking. But then they act. Then they step out. 
They could have just said, oh yeah, I think this is, yeah, these are the signs. Yeah, we've read this, we see this. Something's happening, something's going on. Be interested to see how it turns out. I hope somebody else will go. Because this was kind of cuckoo on their behalf. Imagine those whom they told were following a star because we think it's a Jewish Messiah, not, not our, not what we believe, but that's what we think this is. So we're, we're going to follow that is crazy. But they were convicted enough, they were called enough, they were connected enough that they decided to go and take action to follow that light which led them to the presence of Christ. They had the guts to follow and take action. They studied, they observed their experience in the world and looked for God, and then they followed. They took action. We need to remember always those things as these magi inspire us. So they went, they followed the star. How long a journey? We don't know. Again, they were late. And they went to Herod first. If they were kings, maybe they went, it's good etiquette to go to the local king just to check in. Maybe they knew the star was coming but didn't know it was in Bethlehem. Have you seen, they said to Herod, where the new king of the Jews is? We come all this way. We know he's here. Do you know? Have you spoken to him? Do you know? Have you seen him? Herod's like, what? You're talking to him right here, king of the Jews. No, no, there's a, a born today, born in this time period, a new king of the Jews. And again, right away, Herod goes on the defensive. So much so that after this story, he slaughters the males that have been born, the newborn babies in that area, because he couldn't figure out where the particular infant was. Horrible. Herod, horrible. So, and I assume that these magi talked with him and knew right away that they had made a mistake. Uh, yes, my scribes and Pharisees tell me it's going to happen in Bethlehem over there. And they say, okay, thanks. He says, oh, by the way, go and tell me where he is. And then I will go and pay him homage. I will go give him my respects. I will bring him gifts. I will make sure that we can properly praise and welcome him into this world. Of course, we know, and they probably saw right through it as well. But they went, and they found him there. When the star had stopped, still following the star. So why did they need to stop and ask? Again, probably etiquette more than the star stopped for that moment and came back. So the star stopped on the house. How does that happen? I don't know. I wasn't there. It's not a comet, not a black hole. It's not all of these natural defined things that were happening. This was a miracle that God put before them as a way to lead them to the, to the Christ child. That's what it was. Whether the bottom beam was on, of that star was on top of the house, whether it was way above and clearly it was right there, I don't know. But they found it because of that star and specifically led them to that house, not the area, to that house. 
And when they saw, saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. It had probably been quite the journey. Oh, thank God. It's over. We're here. We made it. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary. They knelt down and paid him homage. They opened their treasure chests, offered their gifts, which as we look back and as Isaiah predicts from the passage uh, that Jim read to you, they offered him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And we see kind of the three categories of Christ as prophet, priest, and king. John Calvin talks about that as these gifts, gold for a king, frankincense, which is used in worship, which would have been used by a priest, and myrrh as an application for dressing bodies uh, for burial, uh, uh, foreshadowing Christ on the cross and then the resurrection. Then an angel appeared to them Foreigners, angel God appeared to them, not in the house of Israel, Gentiles, ew, and told them to go home by another way. What a great phrase. What a great phrase, home by another way. Countless retreats, sermon titles have been that, meaning that after they were in the presence of Christ, they were different. They were not the same. They went home another way, yes, a physical route was different, but they too were changed. What happened to them, we don't really know. Did they go and proclaim? Were they the first to take the gospel out and tell others that the Messiah had been born? They saw it, they were there. We don't know. All kind of fun tradition and stories, fictional accounts, but we just don't know. The wise men, the magi, just kind of disappear once they go home by another way spiritually, their hearts, their souls, their minds, and physically, to avoid Herod, who could have taken action against them as he would have been duped seeing that as, as the issue. So first and foremost, again, don't forget the example of the wise men. They studied so they could be more prepared and ready to see God existing in the world through the star, and then... They acted. Study, looking for God in the world and your experience and environment, and then action. That's probably enough right there. But don't forget, too, that a part of epiphany is light. Epiphany, in our common parlance, has come to mean, whoa, we have a good idea, and a light bulb goes off on top of our head. I've had an epiphany. That's okay, that's in the zone. But epiphany also means a manifestation of God, an appearance of God, like a theophany. An epiphany would have meant that God made manifest, in this case, in the star that led them. It was a light that shone in the darkness, a light that shined that could not be overcome by the dark world around it. That's what Lent Advent is about. That's what building the light as we anticipate Christ. And if you remember, we, we looked at a Rembrandt painting on Christmas Eve, projected that. It is all very dark, except of, of, this was of the manger scene, except for the Christ child. And it wasn't light coming from lanterns or a star or bright angels. It was emanating from Christ, the infant, emanating out. 
Christ is the light of the world. Light and darkness are metaphors all the way through the Bible. The first thing God says in the Bible on day one of creation is, let there be light. Images of light and darkness are all the way through. Moses was called through the burning bush, that is light. And he turned aside to see what was going on. We know that Jesus called himself, I am the light of the world. The prologue to John, the word made flesh, the light came and the darkness could not overcome it. We hear that a lot. We know that Paul was converted through a blinding light from being a persecutor of Christians to their chief apologist. Pentecost, the flames that descended in bright light so they could see the Spirit worked through that. Light and darkness are a part of the whole biblical story. A seminary student was asked, how do you sum up the Bible? And he said, things were very, very dark, very, very dark, and then Jesus showed up. That's, that's pretty succinct. And the understanding is that we live in a dark world. So did they at that time. We think things are bad now and we're in the most terrible of generations. We need to realize how things were at that time, dark and miserable. So much violence and terror and trauma as it is and remains today. But Christ came to be that light in the world and start just as that little infant to bring the light that started to be shined into the world. It only takes a little beam. Alexander Solzhenitsyn, Russian writer, talks about his experience as a political prisoner in his writing, The Gulag Archipelago, Bellagio, thank you, and talks about being in his cell that had no light and the windows were painted black to allow no light to come in. He was stuck in this place of darkness and it was miserable. It was doing its job, breaking him down. Then one day, just a little flake of that dried paint on the window broke off, just a teeny little bit. And what came through was that little beam of light that gave him hope that the world was still out there, that there was still good in the world and life was still possible and it gave him hope. Christ came to be the Prince of Peace, but that doesn't mean that after he came, there would be no more conflict, there would be no more wars, there would be no more hatred, there would be no more difficult or tragedies in our life. Christ never said that. God never said that. The Spirit never said that. What Christ said was, I am the light and I'm coming into this dark place and I'm going to spread that light and each of you are going to be bearers of my light in the world. Do you remember when Moses was up on Mount Sinai and he was in God's presence and he came down and he had this God sunburn thing going on? He came down and his face was radiating light from being in the presence of God. Maybe those magi went away in the same way, bearing the light of the Christ child with whom they had just been in the presence of. And Christ calls us today to know that, yes, we too bear this light when we read, study, 
look for Christ in our experience in the world and then act on it, that light is to be taken out into a dark world. It seems, doesn't it, so much darkness on our 24-hour news cycle, that's what sells, that is clickbait. The more dark and depressing, the better. But our job is to take this light, even if it's a little beam that pokes through a little bit of darkness in your corner of the world. If you do it and I do it and we all do it and all of you out there do it, whatever that means, maybe it starts in our own home, maybe it starts in our own heart. Maybe it starts with our friends, our neighbors, our community, our city, our church, our nation, and the world. Each time we take the light of Christ out, the darkness is beaten back. If we all are courageous enough to start this new year again, understanding what we are called to do to dispel the light and beat it back with the love and grace of the risen Christ and this Christ child, all of that light starts to merge and become brighter and brighter. So today, as we start the new year, I invite you to recommit yourself to Jesus Christ, this miraculous child that housed God for us as our Savior, past, present, and future. Rededicate yourself to studying scripture, to looking for God in the world, and then take action and bring light to dark and desolate places. Be safe. You can do it with others. We do it together. But God is going to call you into places and be in relationship and opportunities to bear the light of Christ. Be courageous. That is how light wins. So we start anew again, and with boldness and love and joy and compassion and filled with the light of this new Christ child, let's go and bring it and transform this world in Christ's name. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs>